series called Facing Your Giants. And so one of the giants that we're going to talk about tonight is pride. Um, we're going to talk about pride. So before we get started, I want to, I want you to ask yourselves these questions because some of these sometimes when you ask this question, it, it usually goes to something innocent. But what are you proud of? You know, are you proud of uh, all your accomplishments, everything that you've done in life? Sometimes we take something innocent and twist it into what it's not supposed to be. Who are you proud of? You know, these are honest questions that we can ask ourselves, and we can, you know, uh, if the first thing that pops up in our head is us, we might have, um, we might need to, to shift some things. Now, I'm not saying not be happy or excited about the things that you've walked through in life and accomplished. But when it's a me, me, me kind of attitude, things start to get dangerous. So we're going to talk about three points, I believe. I have to check my notes again. But, yeah, three points. And the first point is pride in yourself can create the absence of pride in God. Catch that? That's pretty cool. I thought it was. I wrote it down, though. I'm proud of it. <laughs> All right. Nobody laughed. It's okay. Um, I got Daniel to smile, though. Um, <clears throat> putting yourself above the laws of God. Okay? Um, when you do this stuff, when you kind of get um, proud of yourself, it's almost like when... When you do something wrong, it becomes right because the pride is in yourself. Does that make sense? When you do some stuff that you're not supposed to be doing, you start to kind of justify it because of who you think you are and what you've done. And you know, well, it's okay. You know, you can. Uh, it's it's okay if I do this or this, this, and that. What's what what's wrong becomes right, and what's right is right only if you say so. You've you've probably seen people like that in your lifetime. Never wrong. What's right is right as long as it goes with what they say. <clears throat> or chances are you've been one at one point in time. So, I'm going to go to a, a Bible verse, and I'm gonna, we're going to talk about some stories in here, because I love, that's what I love about Saturday nights and what, what we do here, and we, we relate the Bible to some of these giants. And so you don't have to rely on what Justin says, you can rely on the inspired Word of God and what, what, we've, been, what we've learned. And so I want to teach you how to use that Word of God to, to face some of these giants. So we're going to go to Second Chronicles 26. Chapter 26, verse 16. And I'm reading it in the Amplified Version, so, you know, it might sound a little different than what you got in front of you. But, 
you you get the message. <laughs> and if I say these names wrong, you're just going to bear with me. I'm I'm not a Greek teacher or a Hebrew teacher. But when Uzziah became strong, he became so proud. Okay, that's the first first thing that we're going into. All right, he became so proud. And I love the Amplified Version because it puts in parentheses of himself and his accomplishments. You ever had that time when you became so strong about something that you you boasted and you, you told you, you told everybody about uh, about a situation? Um, <clears throat> it, it, it tends to happen when you get good at something. I used to never be. Uh, the guy that would be in my, in my business, we have to we work with sales, and I used to never think that I would be in sales. You know, I didn't like to talk to people, but once I got good at it, then some people started saying, "Hey, man, that guy can close people. He can sell people." And then they, you know, I got I got dubbed the closer, and I was like, "Yeah, yeah, that's me. That's me. I'm the closer." And so. We can get, you know, when we get good at something sometimes, we can forget um, everything good about it and just put the whole center of attention on us and, you know, that we're the reason it's good. Alright, so pay attention to that. He became strong, or when he became strong, he became so proud of himself and his accomplishments that he acted corruptly, and he was unfaithful and sinned against the Lord his God. For he went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. So first off, I'm gonna, we're going to go through a little history lesson here. That that that's not his job, even as king. You know, back then in in, in the Old Testament. The pre, you know, they had, we're living by the law right now. Okay? And there's a certain way of doing things that has to be done. It, it was, it was brought down by God to do it this way. And here you have a king that became strong and dominant in his kingdom that he finds him in a place, he finds himself in a place where he shouldn't be because it's not, because he's been told not to be there, but because he, because he's thinking, I am this great king. Why would anybody condemn me? Right? Have you ever been there? I've been in spots like that. But so here's this guy in a spot he's forbidden to go to, even as high up as he is. It's, it's not his job. It's not his role. He's not supposed to be in the temple burning incense. Um, then Azariah, the priest, went in after him, and with him eighty priests of the Lord, men of courage, they opposed King Uzziah and said to him, It is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who have been uh, consecrated to burn incense. Get out of the sanctuary, for you have been unfaithful and will have no honor from the Lord God. Right here in this part of the story, is it's what I like to call a reality check. Us prideful people, we get them all the time. And what happens in the middle of that reality check is going to change your destiny. 
Okay? <clears throat> when I get faced with a decision that makes me go, or when I'm, when I'm doing wrong and somebody says, hey, you, that's not your spot. That's not your place. I have a choice to make right then and there. I can set my pride aside and go, okay, you're right, this isn't, I, I was not, I was never meant to be here. Or, I can let the pride stay on me and we'll see what happens. <clears throat> then Uzziah, with a censer in his hand to burn incense, was enraged. So instead of setting his pride aside, he got enraged about them getting on to him. You ever had that problem? Somebody criticized you? Tried to make you better? Uh, no, no, no. Uh-uh. Not me. I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm the one. Like, I'm, I've got this. You need to, you need to hush. Right? Here these priests are telling him, hey. And the sad thing is, is they're trying to save his life. It's, it's not for you, Uzziah. It's, it's simple. And he gets enraged. He gets enraged, uh, and while he was enraged with the priests, Leprosy broke out on his forehead before the priest in the house of the Lord beside the incense altar. As Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked toward him, behold, he was leprous on his forehead. And they hurried him out of there, and he also hurried to get out because the Lord had stricken him. King Uzziah was a leper to the day of his death. And being a leper, he lived in a separate house, for he was excluded from the house of the Lord. And, his, and Jonathan his son took charge of the king's household, ruling the people of the land. We're going to stop right there. But reality check hit Uzziah. Somebody simply said, "Hey, look, like stop, stop what you're doing. You're getting a little bit too too full of yourself." Right? And instead of going, wait a minute, yeah, you guys are right. I need to take a chill pill. He gets mad. His destiny is completely altered. Where he had been a great king in an instant, he now has to stay all the way up until his death in a separate house. It reminds me of the the princess story um, of the, the the princess that's stuck in the tower. She can't see anybody. I mean, she might be able to look, you know, through the window, but she can't get down, and she can't see. She can't do anything. She can see all the life around her, but she can't do anything. And this is what it reminds me of that. Use the eye, stuck away because of a bad decision that he made to be prideful finds himself in a place where all he can do is see others enjoy life and he can't have life anymore. Come on. So, point one. Pride in yourself can create the absent of pride in God. If you find yourself being absent of being proud of what God is doing, you're going to find yourself isolated in a dark place where you only get to see life and not enjoy life. Okay? <clears throat> Point two. Pride in what you have done 
or what you think you have done can create an absence of pride for what God has done in your life. And that was a little bit longer, but that was pretty heavy. Pride in what you have done or what you think you have done is a better way to put it can create an absence of pride for what God has done in your life. <clears throat> I've had some friends I've had to limit their uh, interactions with me. Well, I didn't actually limit their interactions. I just, um, more Jesus started showing up out of me, and it, sometimes that just happens. But <clears throat> what we have for some friends that um, they, uh, everything that they've ever done in life, it's been with these two hands. You know? You know what I'm saying? Nobody ever gets any glory, especially not God. Everything I have, I worked for. I did everything. And I, I think that that starts as an innocent statement, you know, a teaching moment. Hey, I worked with my two hands. But I think that it's a dangerous statement because I've talked to some people that <clears throat> before that literally said, God didn't do this, I did this. So it's a dangerous spot that we when we if we when we find ourselves being proud of everything we've went through. I've talked to so many of my um, old friends and uh, I'd say, How can you not recognize that God got you through that? Like I've talked to some of my friends, and since this is Victory Unleashed, and we tell we tell a little bit of testimonies here sometimes. I've talked to friends that I've OD'd with, and we're in the same like hospital room, grab each other's hands almost. Miracle! <laughs> it's a, and there's only God's hand in it. And, you know, when, you, when you see some of this stuff, but uh, but some people go through it and say, well, you know, I got through it. I'm a strong person. And so, <clears throat> I'm going to talk and give you another biblical lesson on why that can be dangerous. <clears throat> now we're going to be in Second Chronicles chapter 32, verse 20. And we're going to talk about a king Hezekiah. So, but Hezekiah, the king and the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, prayed about this and cried about to heaven for help. And the Lord sent an angel who destroyed every brave warrior, commander, and officer in the camp of the king of Assyria. So the king returned to his own land in shame. And when he entered the house... Let me back up just for a second. So here's Hezekiah and some, and some other guys praying. They cry out for heaven for help. And the Lord sent an angel. Alright? 
destroyed the other army so bad that the king, it says that, it says, uh, so the king returned to his own land in shame. And when he entered the house, the temple of his God, some of his own children killed him there with the sword. Thus the Lord saved Hezekiah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem from the hand of uh, Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, and from the hand of all others. And he gave them rest on every side. Have you ever been, first off, have you ever been in a spot like that where you prayed out to, to something that you just couldn't get through? You got through it and you got that, you got that rest. This is a side note. You get that rest that, like, the rest from every side. Didn't have to worry about anything. Didn't have to worry about the alarm clock going off or anything. You got rest from every side. I can just imagine how that was. Um, but, <clears throat> and many brought gifts to the Lord at Jerusalem and valuable presents to Hezekiah, king of Judah. So from then on, he was exalted in the sight of all nations. Okay, I'm going to pause right there for a second. Uh, because this is where things get hard. All right, this is where things get hard for people. When you get when you get what you asked for, when you get what you prayed for, and you forget that God did it. When you when you are on your knees every night, specifically praying for one thing, and you get that one thing. No, I mean, like for sure, and you, there's no way you can deny that it came from God because it was a prayer. Like <laughs> that's it. But so many times does that happen for us that we pray for what we what we what we need spiritually. We get it. We we receive it, and it's. It's just life all over again. It's just fine. No glory. You know what I'm saying? It's just like it was no big deal. And I'm going to show you something. Because here, in the next verse, it says, In those days, Hezekiah became terminally ill. And he prayed to the Lord. And he answered him and gave him a miraculous sign. So here's a guy that, if you, I mean, if you know this, you, you don't have to live with sickness. If you, I mean, when you're doing, when you're, when you're walking like this, uh, I mean, this is a guy that is getting everything he can from God, and then <clears throat> becomes terminally ill. Once again, in the moment of defeat is is when this. If you're looking at this story, there wasn't a lot of praying during the time. I, I can't say anything because it doesn't say it, so I don't want you to take me take me wrong. But it says in the first part of that chapter, he prayed. He cried out for help. Him and several other people prayed, and then it says he was exalted and he ruled for a time, and it misses out him praying during that time. And I think that sometimes we miss out on praying through that during that time when we're when we're exalted and, and people look at us and they put us up on a pedestal and we're not praying so much then. But then what happens? He gets terminally ill. He's going to die. They they wrote him off. They say, "Yeah, you're going to die." Well, what does he find himself doing again? Praying. This time, it, this time the good book tells us though. 
But Hezekiah did nothing for the Lord in return for the benefit bestowed on him because his heart had become proud. Therefore, God's wrath came on him and on Judah and Jerusalem. First off, I'm going to stop right there. When we forget to thank God for what you got, see this. I, this is what I love too, because this guy, this guy got what he asked for, and he didn't give God anything. He didn't thank God and say, you know, hey, thanks for thanks for curing me. <laughs> you know, thanks for giving me life, not once but twice now, right? God's wrath was coming for him, Judah, and Jerusalem. So when you get prideful, you don't just hurt yourself. You don't just get yourself in a bad situation. You get many people. You can get nations. All right? You can really, really do some damage here. Thankfully, Hezekiah gives you a little piece of advice. However, Hezekiah humbled his proud heart, both he and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the wrath of the Lord did not come on them during the days of Hezekiah. And can you go to the next verse? Here's what's really cool. And Hezekiah had very great wealth and honor, and he made for himself treasuries of silver, gold, precious stones, spices, shields, and all kinds of attractive vessels. I'm going to pause right there. And I'll get back to that one in just a minute. So remember that, 27. <clears throat> he gives us a very good little note right there. So remember that. We can ask for forgiveness. Alright, we can put, we can humble ourselves. It shows us that we can do that. We can humble ourselves and we can turn away from our self and what we think is great and we can fix our eyes on what God knows is great. Right? Alright, so, last point. Weird. Point three. Pride in the law and how well you do the law can create an absence of a relationship with God. And I'm going to, I'm going to go to Romans um, chapter 2, verse 17. I'm actually in the, in the Passion version of this one because I was reading this the other day and it really just, it just, I love the Passion version. I, I got a, I got a gift up here, um, from Cricket, um, and he handed out the Passion translation. It's really, really awesome. So here's what Paul says. Now you claim to be a Jew because you lean upon your trust in the law and boast in your relationship with God. And you claim to know the will of God and to have the moral high ground because you've been taught the law of Moses. You are also confident that you are a qualified guide to all those who are blind, a shining light to those who live in darkness. You are confident that you are a true teacher of the foolish and immature. All because you have the treasury of truth and knowledge in the law of Moses. 
so let me ask you this. So first off, he's talking about like you people have, um, you know the law and you claim to tell people how to be righteous and you claim to tell them um, <clears throat> how to how to live. And you claim to be, because you know the law, you claim to be a qualified guide to somebody's salvation. Think about that. <laughs> oh, man. So, what are you saying? So, let me ask you this. Why don't you practice what you preach? You preach, don't steal. But are you a thief? You're swift to tell others, do not commit adultery. But are you guilty of adultery? See, here's the thing. On the law, we talked about this not too long ago, but the law says um, do not commit adultery. It's kind of simple. It's, it, it's, it's do not commit adultery. Grace. See, this is in Romans. Roman is Paul's in Jesus' time. See, Jesus, grace says, even if you think about it, you committed adultery. And so he's telling these people, you say don't commit adultery, but are you not an adulterer? Do you not have wicked thoughts? You say, I hate adultery and false gods. But do you withhold from the true God what is due to Him? <laughs> so many people will claim to Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I'm trying to make, I'm trying to do this simple, simple, simple. But so many people will put a claim to Jesus and no other God, no other God. But when it comes time to do their simple tithes, ten percent, it's not a, it's not a choice. It's, a, it's a, it's you're supposed to do it. Well, I got bills to pay, and all this, this, and that. And so he's telling people, do. You say you don't, you don't worship other idols or anything like that, but do you forget to give God what is due to Him? Do you forget to go to Him in prayer? Do you forget to fast? Even though you boast in the law, you dishonor God, the lawgiver, when you break it. For your actions seem to fulfill what is written. God's precious name is cursed among the nations because of you. You trust in the covenant sign of circumcision. Yet circumcision only has value if you faithfully keep the teachings of the law. See, what he's talking about when he's sitting down with these people is there's some Jewish people saying that you know, Paul's already talked to this group. And he's taught them the ways of Jesus. And some other people have come in and they've said, we need to go back to the law. We need to start doing the law. We need to do this. We need to, we need to circumcise. And this is what this, this passage is mainly revolving around is some, some Jewish officials have come into the picture at this church that Paul um, has established 
and um, they're they're saying that people need to do the wrong. So there's kind of a battle between religion and grace right now. And he says, your circumcision only has value if you can keep every single law. But if you violate one law, you have invalidated your circumcision. So that was even pointless. And if the, here's what's really cool. And if the uncircumcised one faithfully keeps the law, won't his obedience make him more Jewish than the actual right of the circumcision? And won't the one who has never had the knife cut his foreskin be your judge when you break the law? Man, that's, that's tough. And he says, you are not a Jew if it's only superficial. For it's more than a surgical cut of a knife that makes you Jewish. Jewish, But you are Jewish because of an inward act of spiritual circumcision. A radical change that lays bare your heart. It's not by the principle of law, but by power of the Holy Spirit. For then then your praise will not come from the Gospel, but from God Himself. So what is Paul telling us right here? How do we get rid of some of this pride? It's going to require circumcision of the heart. Okay? It doesn't require to get caught up into the laws. See, when you're proud that you can do the law, you you start forgetting what God's love is truly about. You start forgetting the relationship. You get caught up into um, let me do everything I can. Uh, let's create a checklist and I'm going to do everything I can in, in the church, outside of the church and, and I'm just going to do these while all missing out on a true relationship with God. And so it's it's a circumcision of the heart that counts. It's a circumcision of the heart that gets rid of that pride. So Paul gives us a really good piece of advice here. Let's talk about what Jesus said in this last part, and you can, uh, and, and we're done. But in Luke 18, verse 9, Jesus taught this parable to those who were convinced they were morally upright and those who trusted in their own virtue, yet looked down on others with disgust. Once there were two men who went into the temple to pray. One was a proud religious leader. The other a despised tax collector. The religious leader stood apart from the others and prayed, How I thank you, O God, that I'm not wicked like everyone else. They're all cheaters, swindlers, and crooks like that tax collector over there. God, you know that I never cheat or commit adultery. I fast from food twice a week and I give you a tenth of all I make. First of all, I want you to see where this guy's at. He's, at a, he's, he's talking to God and giving. He's reading off his checklist. He's reading off his acolytes. It's all about him. It's everything. It's about him. God, you know, I've done this, this, and this for you. I've, I've done this, and I thank you so much because um, I, you haven't damned me to hell. 
this other guy over here. Poor guy. That's a, that's a sad way to look at things. That has a proud heart. The tax collector stood up long in the corner away from the holy place, and he covered his face and his hands, feeling that he was even unworthy to even look up to God. Beating his breast, he sobbed with brokenness and tears, saying, God, please, in your mercy, and because of the blood sacrifice, forgive me. For I am nothing but the most miserable of all sinners. Which one of them left for home that day made right with God? It was the humble tax collector and not the religious leader. For everyone who praises himself will one day be humiliated before all. And everyone who humbles himself will one day be lifted up and honored before all. This is Jesus talking now. Alright, so I'd love to go back to what Jesus said about one of these giants that we're talking about. Because it's not just somebody in the, it's not just an inspired word of God. It is the word of God. This is Jesus telling you a parable about a religious proud person versus a humble person getting into heaven. He's using a modern parable in that time to get to, to get the message across that, hey, you, you all who come to God and you pray about the things that you've done and, you, and, and that you, you, you do everything that you were taught in church, you're not going to make it. The guy that's over here that humbled himself and didn't even know how to look up to the sky to pray because he felt unworthy is going to be lifted up and honored before all. There's another there was another uh, parable just real quick. I'm on a roll here. I'm fired up. Does the Scripture mean nothing to you that says the Spirit that God breathed into our hearts is a jealous lover who intensely desires to have more and more of us? But He continues to pour out more and more grace upon us. For it says, God resists you when you are proud. But God continually pours out grace when you are humble. I don't know about you, Facebook Live, and everybody in here, but this is telling me that God, God Himself resists the proud. That alone, minus the whole other teaching, we can just drop the mic right now because that's it. If I'm going to be, if 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 you're telling me I'm proud, that's going to resist. God's going to resist me. I'm done. No more being proud. I'll be, I got, I, that means I have to be humble because if God resists me, then there's no other, there's nothing else for me. What do I get when I'm humble, though? What do I get when I spiritually circumcise the heart of pride? I get continuous amounts of grace from God. Can you pull up uh, James? Uh, or no, I got it. Sorry, sorry. I got it. James four and five, or chapter four, verse five and six. Oh, that is. Then I just went over. Sorry, <laughs> I was looking at my notes backwards. Goofing me. Anyways, 
So Jesus tells us this parable, and then we learn that God will resist us. So, what are you waiting for? Now ask yourself those questions again. Because what you go looking for is what you're going to find. And so when I when we go back to the very first of this whole thing, what are you proud of? You might have a different answer now. You should. Because now you should be thinking about what God's done in your life and what what He did to, for you to be proud of. And then you ask that next question, who are you proud of? I'm so proud of God. I'm so proud of what He's doing in my life. Let's start getting proud of the things that God gets proud of. And let's start being the people that God can look down and say, I'm proud of them. So, we're going to close in prayer. Um, you can crank that music up and you turn these lights off. But we're going to, um, I'm going to ask if uh, y'all could stand because we're going to pray for some people that are really hurting. Um, uh, a, good, a good friend of the church and a good friend um, we've been praying for, um, but Miss Linda. She's a, she's actually her her daughter is a really really good friend of mine. She actually works with us. And uh, I just want to pray for that whole family. And God, right now, I'm just, I'm just, I'm lifting that entire family up right now because you are the same yesterday, and the same today, and the same always. So I know that Miss Linda is being healed in this moment right now because we're asking God and we're demanding that the, whatever sickness is going on with her that it be cast out and sent back to hell. She's being made whole right now in the name of Jesus. And I believe it. And I have people here standing right now saying that they believe it too, God. We know that you are the God of miracles and that you can do this, God. So I demand it in the name of Jesus that it's done. She is made whole. And God, I'm asking you to give her family peace that can only come from you. Rest that can only come from you. The rest that you talked about in the Scripture, rest from all sides. Her family needs that because they don't know how to rest right now. And God, I'm asking you for anybody in here right now, anybody on Facebook Live, whatever they're, whatever they're lifting up to you right now from their lips, if I can't hear it, you can, God. And so I'm asking you to, to, to lift their prayers up in, in, into your hands and into your heart. And we know that nothing, that nothing comes, uh, nothing returns void. Anything that we send to you, God, nothing returns void. So God, we lift all these prayers up. We lift everything up. And God, we ask that you spiritually circum, teach us how to circumcise our heart to get rid of this pride. Uh, this prideful sin that we that we carry around um, with us, we ask that you that you get rid of it right now in the name of Jesus, and, and that you start teaching us to to um, the steps to to be humbled every day, God. And God, I ask you that you give us each each person in this room and each person on Facebook Live that you give us the the, the vision 
and the strength and the courage to the vision to see somebody to pray for this week, God, and the courage to stand up and pray for them, God, and the strength to to to, to see it all through. God, we love you and we lift all these things up in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Facebook Live, you have a great night. And everybody else, it was great to see you all.